You're listening to the Amblecote Community Church podcast. Hello, and thanks for uh, downloading this podcast or listening to it. Um, this podcast is a bit of an unusual one for us in that it's a very spontaneous podcast, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, very. You just grabbed me in the office and said, let's record a podcast. A matter of two and a half hours ago. Yes. So um, this podcast is entitled um, Genesis Interpretation and Answering Some Questions. I've just spontaneously made that up as well. So that's what we're going to call oh, it. good, yeah. Okay. And uh, the reason we're doing this is that I was finishing my sermon prep for this Sunday and I realised I wasn't going to have time to um, deal with all that I wanted to deal with and so would need to stick some on a podcast and I thought who would be up for with minimal time to prepare taking a risk and sitting down with me to record a podcast and there you were. Well yeah they weren't available so fortunately <laughs> I was there. In the providence of God yeah. Dave Hadley was sitting next door so, um, so thanks for giving this a spin, Dave. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to pick your brain. That's my job is to try and pick your brain and unfold and unpack what's going on inside of you. Um, that which... would be good. And, and, um, and maybe also as well as some of those specific things, we can then just have some more general conversation as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll just talk and see kind of what, what we come up with, really. So that's probably important to say at the very start of this podcast that me and Dave haven't got a script we've written. Um, we've just got a few questions that we know we're going to tackle and then we're just going to open up a bit of a conversation. So if you are listening to this looking for a really well thought through, tightly argued um, discussion of the hermeneutics of Genesis, um, search on YouTube for something else. Yeah, maybe we'll think or find some uh, suggestions and then we'll slap those on the end of a podcast. Yeah, we can we can point yeah. you elsewhere. But if what you're looking for is um, just an extended discussion of some of the stuff that's come up in Sunday Sermon, then hopefully you're in the right place. And if you haven't listened to the Sunday service, don't worry, because we are going to cover some of what Tim talked about in the service. And it is still fruitful just to listen to. We're, we're talking about... How do we interpret Genesis? How do we yeah. understand what it means? In fact, even better would be just listen to the podcast of the sermon and then listen to this podcast. That's fair. Um, it's also, final qualification is we're recording this podcast before I preach the sermon. So we're trusting that I'm going to say what I think I'm going to say. Mm. Yeah, um, content liable to change, yeah. Yeah, otherwise maybe this will never get released. So wow. who, who knows, eh, Dave? In which case you're wasting my time and yours. <laughs> Well, we wouldn't want to do that. So without further ado, um, where are we going to start, Dave? Yeah, so I think it'd be good to start by recapping. Um, remind us what are some of the issues you raised on Sunday? What are some of the ideas that we even have to unpack today? Yeah, okay. So in a really quick summary way, I guess many of us um, have maybe heard teaching on Genesis before or have been taught to read Genesis before. Um in let's call it a very literalistic way and I was quite clear in um, on Sunday that that is um, for Genesis 1 to 11 particularly the first 11 chapters of Genesis that is not primarily how us as a teaching team are going to be approaching the text yeah and that um, led me to make a load of comments really first of all on what it means to be biblical 
and to have a high view of scripture and to interpret the Bible well. And then just talks about how um, if, if the Bible's God's word to us and we want to hear all that it's saying, we need to be asking questions like, what is it trying to say? Yeah. How should we read it? What is the what is the most responsible way to understand this? Um, yeah, which for me is actually really exciting. I think we were talking, I was saying that um, I think if we approach a scripture with preconceived ideas of what every verse means, then I think certainly for me, scripture starts to become a bit flat and not that enjoyable to read because I open Genesis 1 and I say, oh, there we go. I know what that means. Page 2, know what that means. Whereas when we start to approach a text with interpretation and understanding, then I think it becomes more fun again. <laughs> that's, that's what it's like to live in Dave's world. You don't have to share that. But I think what you're getting at, mate, um, maybe a way I'd put it is that if we come to the Bible already certain on how it's meant to be read, we're putting ourselves over the text. Yeah. And like we're actually making it what we've decided it is. Whereas I guess what we're advocating for, more fun in your words, yeah, but also fun. hopefully more responsible, is to come to the Bible saying, like, I, I need to come under this. I need to understand what what this is and what it's trying to say and how I need to read it, rather than having already decided that um, before I arrive. Which I guess is good common practice in reading anything, yeah. listening to anyone yeah. is, is just what we should be doing anyway. It's just generous, actually, yeah. isn't it? And humble and, and those sort of things. Um, so, yeah, so that, and for us, you know, that is a high view of scripture. That's an evangelical view of scripture to approach the text like that. But, and at the de- um what I said on Sunday is that the conclusion of that process for us as, as a team is that Genesis 1 to 11 has to be read um, differently from how some may be used to reading it. And I talked about understanding the genre. I talked about kind of theological poetry, origin stories, ancient mythology, that kind of thing. Now, we're not going to go into that now because we've got three study evenings, Dave, haven't we? We do. And those are going to be great, aren't they? Exciting stuff. Tim Barton, Andrew McFall, David Faulkner have really poured a load of effort into creating three study evenings where we can go deeper into how we read Genesis well and what that means for things like the Big Bang and evolution and and all of these kind of big questions. So we're not going to do that on this podcast, but I was clear on Sunday that that is how we're approaching this text and um, and talked about why that matters um, in terms of, for all kinds of reasons. But but out of that, out, my sort of guess was there might be some objections. Yeah, so I think chief among those, and our first kind of question to explore is so if you're saying Genesis 1 and 1 to 15 isn't literal, um, how can we kind of say it's true? If we say things in the Bible aren't literally true, how can we stand in front of someone and say, well, this is true or truth? Yeah, and I, I totally understand where that question's coming from. Um, you know, if uh, let's take, for example, Genesis 1, 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, if God didn't actually create them, then... He's not a creator God, is he? So, yeah. so I can understand that sense of like, oh, if you start saying, oh, this isn't literally true or that's not literally true, then is it true at all? Um, but it's important, I think, to say that literal truth is only one kind of truth. Yeah. And there are, there are um, other ways of communicating truth other than a kind of literal uh, verbal account. So 
Let's take, for example, Dave, something familiar to hopefully all of us listening. Yeah. The parables of Jesus. Yes. Say Jesus tells us stories about, you know, vineyard owners who go away and masters and servants and... Wedding feasts. Wedding feasts. Prodigal sons and... Now, if you were listening to Jesus telling um, the story, let's take the story of the prodigal son, telling the story of the prodigal son, okay? I don't think any of us are inclined to say, oh, I wonder um, whether that was like, you know, Joseph or Judas from his village that he's talking about. We kind of automatically realize this didn't literally happen. Yeah. He's telling a story to communicate something. Yeah. But would you be comfortable saying, well, it didn't literally happen, so obviously it's not true? Well, no. Well, exactly. No, because I guess we understand, don't we, that Jesus is telling truth. We understand, uh, we we, we learn from a prodigal son a truth about God and a truth about humanity. Yeah, exactly. And so let's take a non-biblical example. One of my children's favourite stories that I have to regularly tell at bath time is the boy who cried wolf. Oh, yes. Okay. So now the boy who cried wolf um, is true in the sense that it teaches us that if we continually lie to people, they'll stop believing us. But I don't know many people who have gone looking for the village where that story happened. Yeah. Of, of a wolf, of a boy. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get worried about which forest that might have been to make sure you don't go there. No. And, and I guess that, I guess this comes to Genesis with a science question. We don't say, but but Tim, scientifically, there aren't any wolves in England anymore. So you can't tell that story. Yeah. Because it's not that kind of story. It's not trying to tell us about the population of English villages. And yet it's true. And yet it's still true. And say, if we just take that broad idea that there's many ways of saying true things, many of them are non-literal. And actually, let's just do one more example, which is the example of metaphors. Yeah. So we use metaphors in our language all the time, all the time. Um, A way of talking about something without it being literally true. That's the whole point of a metaphor, but nonetheless communicating something that is true. So, you know, this is maybe a a slightly more difficult example, but I would say even from Genesis 1, you've got this phrase of God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. Well, our doctrine of God is that he's not a physical being like us with a mouth. Yeah. He's a spiritual, infinite, non-material being. And therefore, he he doesn't speak like us. He doesn't have lips. He doesn't have tongue. lips or a tongue. So even the language of God speaking is somehow metaphorical yeah. and non-literal, but nonetheless true. And I guess in everyday conversation, rarely do we ever give um, an account, a literal account, when you get home and your wife says, oh, how was your day, Tim? You don't say, well, at 901 I walked into Amblecote and I walked up the stairs and then and give a literal blow by blow account of absolutely you pick and choose details and you leave things out and you put things in, add emphasis and choose what story you want to tell. Yeah. And and say all of this hopefully is um is all to say therefore that if our only model of truth is literal a kind of literal scientific account, then that that I would suggest just doesn't hold up to real life no. or to scripture. No, I read I read a, a book once that said if we applied the same rigors we try to uh, like apply to the Bible in saying it's got to be literally true to our everyday conversations, 
to our everyday yeah. thoughts, we would we would call ourselves liars and we would call ourselves like incapable of telling the truth. So I think it's important to remember that too. And say, so having made that point, let's be clear then that we utterly believe that Genesis 1 to 11 is true. True. <clears throat> it's true. And the qualifier is it's true in all that it means to say. And it just so happens that that kind of writing that we're dealing with is not trying to say things in the literalistic way that that kind of one style of reading would approach it. Yeah, it's not a scientific journal. It's not no. someone didn't sit down and say, I'm going to write how I think the earth was made and um, in steps and stages. No, I mean, the modern scientific method, like we're used to thinking about only a rose kind of in the last few hundred years in Europe but anyway so the very idea that an ancient Jew in the 7th century BC would even be thinking in terms of providing a scientific account of the sort of material steps of creation is is a non-starter really so all this is to say that objection that you put to me Dave like if you can't say it's literal how can it be true I guess my reply is we actually say many true things all the time in yeah. non-literal ways and Genesis 1 to 11 is making truth claims, in, in, but in accordance with its particular genre and its particular style of writing, which, like I say, if you want to explore more about that, then get yourself to the study evenings where yes. they really expound that. So, you, yeah, you said um, it's a question of it's true about what it's trying to talk about. Exactly. And you've got to try and... So then it's our job to go away and try and understand, so what is God actually trying to talk about Exactly, here? And that's, that's I guess, what the scholar might call hermeneutics or uh, what we yeah. call biblical interpretation. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think, like, well, maybe this is a silly example, but we've probably all had those occasions where we're trying to talk about a big deal to someone and they keep focusing on a slightly irrelevant detail. Yes. You know, um, I might be trying to uh, talk to my wife about something that I really care about. But if she's like, yeah, but um, you said that that happened at 2.30 today, but you emailed me at 2.29. So it probably happened at more like 2.35. I'd be like, well, why are we focusing on that? I'm trying (laughs) to talk to you. But in a similar way, sometimes when we bring the wrong questions to Genesis, we can end up focusing on what God is really not trying to talk to us about and miss the things he's trying to say. And that's the important part of all communication is communication, whether it's written or spoken, is designed to get a response. And the Bible is looking for a response from us. And sometimes that's questions. Sometimes that's Mm. understanding. And I guess we're talking about how do you find the right questions to approach a scripture with? How do we kind of, rather than expecting Genesis to answer our questions that it may not have in mind, how do we work out what questions it's actually trying to answer? Yeah. Okay. Does okay. That, great. Do you think we've rode around that enough? I think so, and I okay. think I mean I mean they're all linked to all the all these three mm. of these things. But so so we go from there and go. Okay, Tim. So some of it's not literal, and we've got to do that process you talked about. But aren't you just then picking and choosing? Like, can't I just pick um, some of what Jesus said and say, well, that's not literal. So yeah. I, I don't need to be baptized, and that's not literal. Yeah, yeah. Or like, actually, I do quite like sleeping with my girlfriend. So that stuff that Jesus had to say about Pornea, like. That's just not literal. Yeah, that's not or... literal either. Or... I mean, well, if we could stick in the Old Testament, because, I mean, sometimes people yeah. go, our oh, New Testament is a bit plainer, whereas the Old Testament tends yeah. to be a bit more metaphorical. Yeah. Um, not sure I agree, but I know where you're going. Yeah, right? I, I know where you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of an emphasis. But I guess in the Old Testament, like um, the moral laws or like the yeah. Ten Commandments, we can, we can say, oh, we'll take that one not quite literally or this one literally or that one. Yeah, and it can... 
So in, um, I guess our fear is that we're not, we stop submitting to God's word. Yeah. And we use this literal, non-literal thing to get out of what God says. And I think when people have brought this objection to me, I think that's often the heart behind it is they want to have a high view of scripture. Yeah. And they want to kind of know what God says. And it feels like when you start saying, well, actually that's maybe not to be read totally literally, or you start to have the conversation we're having, they they can feel like you're you're shaking that ground. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, I, I, the way I, I tend to think of this is um, that, like it once you get over that kind of fear gap that this interpretive process is taking away from a scripture, um, I think you start to realise that some of our, I guess you might call it dogmatic approach to scripture or, or like, you know, already having an idea or a set interpretation kind of wraps things up in a real neat bow for us yeah which means we don't have to kind of wrestle with scripture and the people that are saying well aren't you picking and choosing here are afraid that you know people are just like using that to write off scripture and say i don't need to worry about this or worry about that but i think what we're advocating for is actually i think it it like it requires you to write off less and wrestle with more and come to a deeper understanding i Um, think that's certainly true and um I think one thing that's really important to say is there's loads of the Bible that we should take literally. Yeah. And say so the kind of how do you know question, how, how does it not become arbitrary where you just pick and choose? I would say is all about working out what kind of text it is and how it wants to be read. Yeah. So Genesis 12 onwards is different from Genesis 1 to 11. Yeah, and you get that in the text. You feel that, don't you? You, you feel, feel it that. changing yeah. to a, a story about a group of people with many more specific place names yeah. and many more of the kind of details that say to you, I want to be read as a story about something that happened. Yeah. And we get to, like, you know, the Gospels is another good example. Sorry, I keep jumping into the New Testament. It's just, <laughs> yeah. where, it's just, it's just where my home is, Dave. <laughs> Absolutely. But we jump into the Gospels and they it's quite clear they demand to be read as a kind of Greco-Roman biography. Yeah. Like, all the markers are saying, this is the kind of text I am. This is how you need to read me. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter where Jesus said X or Y, but um, it did to that writer. And we, we should infer, we should get something from him, including that. So I think that's my answer. When someone says, well, can't you just pick and choose then what you're going to take literally? I'd say, no, the things that asked to be read literally, we should read literally. Yeah. The things that asked to be read in a different way, we should read in a different way. And yeah, that maybe creates a little bit of work for us. Yeah. It creates what you said, a bit of the wrestle, a bit of the mystery. But I think it's the most respectful way. Like if I, I said this on Sunday, Dave, so I'm repeating myself a bit, but kind of if I wrote my wife a poem stating my undying love for her in many different expressive ways, and she read it as a kind of clinical psychologist's report, I'd feel a bit like disrespected, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Like she hasn't quite received this the way I intended it. And that's all I'm asking for, for the Bible is that we receive it the way it's intended. And that's what guards us from an arbitrary picking and choosing. And I I guess to get out of your term, so what other sort of things we should be doing and how can we do that? I I mean, like uh, a lot of Bibles have introductions to chapters and things like that. Like it's really important to read those things, isn't it? But is there anything else? Yeah, I think there's um, there's some stuff that probably we can just do by like maybe having this conversation in our head and being aware that like when you read a letter from Paul, it's it's very easy to read that as a letter. Yeah. Like so a lot of it's quite straightforward. Not not like much of this isn't that hard. Yeah. 
is where it's hard <laughs> that yeah. the challenges come. So, so clearly, a revelation is a letter. Yeah. But also, we if we if we, it's clearly more than that. Yeah. And um, and it's got a particular style of writing that we call apocalyptic. Yeah. And then you oh crumbs. So how is apocalyptic meant to be read? That's harder for us. Yeah. But actually, the same process is possible. Like the the historical books, the Old Testament, like one kings, two kings. Yeah. More straightforward. Yeah, they're, they're chronicles of what happened. They're they're yeah. chiefly concerned with uh, a historical account of of Israel's kings. The prophecy of Isaiah. Yeah. A bit more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think we understand that, don't we? That some bits of the Bible are very straightforward to know how we're meant to read them, but other bits aren't. Yeah, and I guess it's trying to always remember um, that the Bible is written, I guess, for us, but not necessarily to us. Yeah. So yeah. why should we have the right to think that we can, with no effort and no help, immediately know how to read a 3,000-year-old text? Yeah, when, oh, I mean, for every other 3,000-year-old text, we spend an awful lot of time <laughs> in university to understand it. Yeah, or at least we'd like get some a, a little guide or yeah, something yeah read, read something around it yeah so i think probably that's important to say isn't it that um you know like you said reading having a study bible yeah having like little you know the bible projects oh they're um, so good you know online you've been involved a little bit with some of that haven't you and, and these these kind of tools that help us it it's not um just for the elite or for those who are super interested it's actually just and it's not really intimidating about that so it's just no just quite helpful stuff to help us understand texts that do take a bit of understanding. Yeah, and I guess uh, it's my weird brain a little bit, but like I said, it just opens a whole world that engages me so much more with Scripture. Yeah, And I think through Scripture, I found passions beyond Scripture. It's through when I first read the Old Testament, uh, having never read it before as a non-Christian and getting caught up in some of the stories and the history. Uh, I remember... um, in uh, in Joshua, the uh, the town of Jericho is cursed. Yeah. And it says whoever relays, relays his foundation will be, uh, you know, will have a problem. And I looked on Google Maps and Jericho was there. And I thought, oh, well, you know, we're <laughs> someone's have a- rebuilt it. <laughs> someone's rebuilt it. There's going to be a problem. But then you keep reading and you get to, uh, I think it's Kings or the end of Samuel. And someone rebuilds uh, Jericho and they get cursed. And, and there's, there's all sorts of things like that in the joy of reading scripture. But then also that led me to start reading about history mm. of the area around it. And suddenly I found a love that I didn't know I had for Near East history and Egyptian history and things like that. And I think um, I think there's lots of passions you can find yeah. in the Bible as well that aren't necessarily history, but might be philosophy or yeah. whatever. And, and even on a, and on a sort of slightly different note as well, kind of even if it doesn't inspire those sort of passions, what it can do is it can... Um, save us from um a load of problems that we don't need necessarily to wrestle with so you know i take for example if we if we force if we think we have to read genesis 1 as a literal scientific account yeah we're going to have all kinds of issues reconciling christianity with science and and those kind of things but if we realize oh it's not even meant to be read that way then we don't have those problems and we have the freedom to explore the truth and the gifts of God in science and yeah. the truth of the gifts of God in scripture without feeling like we've got to choose. And it, and it, and it means we don't then have to start fights with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't need yeah. to disown people because they have a slightly different view of what I, I guess isn't a core issue 
yeah. I think because because both sides of this kind of debate as it were agree that God created the world the heavens and the earth which is the core issue isn't it like God yeah. made these things yeah, yeah the issue yeah. isn't the, the process and and we're contending that that's not even what Genesis is trying to talk about yeah so whether we think it was a six-day creation process yeah. or a billions of years creation process the text isn't trying to talk about that exactly that's so, not the questions it's trying to answer so we we can hold those views yeah just fine and we can forgive each other for holding a different one that's fine as well <laughs> yeah 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 i think you're right dave i think that's really good mate so does that do you think that answers the picking and cheesing i side think so which brings us to i guess i think we've already touched on some of it um but are we making it so normal people can't understand the bible do you need a degree to get uh, this uh, now again i've got a load of sympathy with this because as we start talking about all of it because we're both into it we're into it yeah we can give the impression that you've got to be as into it as us to be able to read the bible responsibly yeah and that would be a false impression um to at least to a certain degree and so i think i want to say a few things really clearly at this point first of all i hold to the evangelical doctrine of the sufficiency of scripture and the clarity of scripture Oh, it's a loud car going past. Car, you probably but, heard that on the podcast. Well, maybe they didn't. Too well, well, I've said it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the clarity of Scripture is is this um, doctrine that says that God, in His wisdom, has made the Bible so that kind of anyone who can read it, yeah, can get enough truth for salvation from it. Yeah. There's an, there's enough they can read without any of this stuff we've talked about to come to know Jesus and to follow Him, and to start to learn to do the will of God. Say, like, I'm fully in that camp. I'm not saying you need to understand the genre of Genesis to follow Jesus. Yeah, not at all. Say, I'm hoping that's, like, really clear. And and say, we're not trying to take that away from anyone. Beyond that, though, what I would say is, um, it, like, there are parts of understanding the Bible that just are complicated. Yeah. And there is no escape from that. Say, so you could like delete this podcast and forget everything we've said. Yeah, it's not going to make it any easier to understand why Saul is raising a medium from the dead. Yeah, in Samuel, <laughs> or why Paul says that some people are getting baptized on behalf of the dead, or yeah. women need to wear a veil over their head because of the angels, or like, like. It takes work. It, it can't <laughs> all be simple. That's just like nobody can just read that and easily understand it. And they're like extreme examples. But but the same is true for a lot of the Bible, actually, that if we want to, the better we want to understand it, we have to put a bit of effort in. And a bit of humility. I think yeah. before I started some of the journey of reading about interpretation, I used to just say, I'll put a question mark on that one. I've got no idea what that means. And I'll just hope that uh, it gets answers, answered later on. Bible Project do a great video where they talk about this meditative reading of Scripture. Yeah. Where it's designed that you understand it more each time you read it again. Mm. Because you're not going to get it all on your first go. And you'll make new connections on your second go. And you're meant mm. to mm. kind of spiral down deeper and deeper with each reading. Yeah, and... And, um, and there's many different ways to read the Bible. So we're not always reading for head understanding, are we? No. We're sometimes reading for heart connection and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and all these things. So, but this is, but we have great tools now. We do. Like, they're a great study by, I 
particularly recommend the ESV study Bible, but there are others. And like they have just really good introductions, really helpful notes. And, you know, sometimes we think, oh, someone's just become a Christian. Why would I give them a study Bible? That's like, yeah. you know, I don't know, for somehow super keen Christians. But I think the opposite is true. I think you'd want to start with a study Bible because yeah. that actually explains it to you. And when you've got a grip of what's going on, you could then go to a Bible that doesn't have any study notes. Yeah. But if you start without the study notes, you you can get lost, can't you? It's the same reason why we probably don't recommend new Christians just pick up a Bible, start on page one and start reading all (laughs) the way through because you're quickly going to hit like Leviticus and Deuteronomy (laughs) and you'll you'll barely reach Jesus. So we normally talk to people about reading the Gospels first to kind of get that grounding. Because at the end of the day, the Bible's not a book, but it's a library. Exactly. And we don't start at A in a library and read through to Z. Exactly. It's a very good point, though. So I think all this is meant to be reassuring. It's meant to say, like, look, this isn't saying you've got to be a scholar to understand the Bible. This isn't saying you've got to read loads of really thick books. There's actually just so many good tools out there. And, you know, God's given each of us a brain and expects us to use it. And most of these things that we're talking about are not beyond almost all of us. No, and we sit at the feet, like, even even the brainiest people who are writing the big books and, and the scholars, they're sitting at the feet of yeah. someone else who's done that before them. Well, yeah. we're all sitting at, like, we're all listening to other people and gaining wisdom and trying to discern from people. So, as like you might be doing right now with this podcast. Yeah, is well, it listening to preach on a Sunday morning. That is the same thing, isn't it? It's listening to how am I meant to understand this scripture and apply it to my life. Yeah, rather than just approaching it that none of us, I think, approach the Bible or, sh- or, or can say that I'll just, you know, anyone who understands English will understand it all. Um, and you actually, Dave, you've got some interesting stories from um, learning a bit about Bible translation, haven't you? Yeah, like Bible translation's interesting because I guess we assume that like, ah, oh, the plain reading of Genesis, we just read it out in, you know, my favourite version and whatever I kind of understand that to be, that's exactly what it must mean. But we... Even Bible translations are standing on the shoulders of um, people who have studied and are interpreting Hebrew into English and deciding exactly what words to use. And some of those translations might be 50 or 60 years old now. So you might be reading kind of with even a slightly newer version of English than the English that your Bible was written in. I remember this example you told to me, which has always stuck with me, which was um, people working on translating the Bible in an African context. Oh, yeah. And, and they translated Psalm 23. Yeah. You he, know, the yeah. Lord is my shepherd, you shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Which sounds lovely, doesn't it? For us, we're like, oh, peace. Peace, a green dale. That sounds amazing. But in the African t- context, if you translate that, literally you end up saying stagnant or like mosquito mosquito infested infested disease ridden water yeah the lord makes you lie down in that in that so he doesn't so straightforward reading is actually you know there's always got to be this work of what's it trying to say yeah and and translators are doing that and scholars are doing that and we're doing that when we talk to each other let alone reading the bible and you're all doing that when you read the bible that's the truth yeah. And, and I guess we're we're uh, we're encouraging a yeah a more deliberate approach to that maybe. I guess it's just applying the same grace we apply to ourselves on the bits we know we don't understand <laughs> to the bits we think we understand. Yeah, that mysterious verse about a talking donkey. 
We don't understand. It's, <laughs> if, you, if you don't know where it is, it's in numbers and it's, it's Balaam's donkey. Yeah. It's a great little story about a talking donkey. Um, we don't understand that. And none of us are going to go in and say, I absolutely already understand this. We're just advocating, take the same approach to the things we already think we do, like Genesis 1. Yeah, and then the final thing I'll say, and then maybe we can just open up to wherever we want to go, is I think there's nothing to be scared of here. Um, I think sometimes we feel scared by it. We feel scared by like our, you know, interpretation, genres, working out how this text is meant to be read. But um, but there is nothing to be scared of. Like the church has been doing this for 2,000 years. Yeah. Um, like most of the things that you believe are true are probably true like yeah. <laughs> kind of we have the creeds we have the sort of traditional teaching of the church we're held in a community and you know we if god is true then he's true all the way down if his word is true it's true all the way down and like you say this is actually just a beautiful journey of coming to submit more to the revelation of god in scripture it's not some sort of test we got to pass yeah. it's not some sort of a kind of minefield that's going to blow up our faith. Like it's an invitation to know more of the glory of God, really. Yeah. And I guess that, that thought about the blowing up of faith, I mean, uh, there's countless stories of people that have grown up in maybe a very traditional reading of scripture and then have uh, been passionate about Jesus and wanted to go on to further education and founded themselves in higher education and suddenly being confronted by these things. And mm. it's, it's been really difficult for him to transition. Some people have lost faith, etc. And it's been like in that rigidity that they've broken. And yeah. it's being soft that allows you to be moulded by the Holy Spirit. Like we, we want to be the people who are asking and talking about these questions together. What we don't want to do is pack our kids off to someone else who doesn't really love them, hasn't got their best interests at heart, yeah. maybe doesn't even love God. And, and for that to be the first time they've ever had to think about these questions of genre and interpretation, like this is part of the job of the church, yeah. is to form us to be like, yeah, we can talk about this, we can think about this. And this used to be the problem for university students, but I guess it's even primary school kids are now going to go to school and have questions about biblical truth and uh, yeah. I guess right wing Christianity or like... Um, just. Evolution, just evolution, science, science yeah. You know, and they, we need to be able to talk to them about that. Yeah, and disagree. Me and my wife disagree on evolution, and it's wonderful. Yeah, because we get to include Gideon in that and work yeah. it out together. But the key thing is, you can talk about it yeah. without it being a threat to faith. You can talk about how we read scripture. Yeah, no, that's that's wonderful. Do you think there's anywhere else that we we would be helpful to go? We're sort of running on about thirty five minutes at the moment. Well, I guess um, maybe we should inject a bit of like humility. Like, um, are you ever wrong, Tim? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Say, um, when I started my PhD in New Testament, it kind of, you know, I had many thoughts about many things, and I remember um, in the first week, one of the professors saying to me, "Look, if you do three years study and don't change your mind about anything, then you've wasted your time, <laughs> yeah, and your money." Um, and I, I thought about that. And initially I was a bit offended by it because um, I thought, well, if it's true, it's true. And but then I thought, actually, if I never change my understanding of God, my understanding of the Bible, then what I'm saying is right here, right now, at the age of 34, yeah. 
I have locked down on the perfect truth. Yeah. Which is like the most arrogant possible <laughs> yeah. thing to think. Say, say a, a, like just a human reality is that I will keep changing some of my understanding of scripture and some of my theology as I grow older. Not because truth is all relative, mm. not because every opinion is equal, but because I'm finite. Yeah. And because I need to change and I'm going to have got things wrong. And so another helpful thing I heard is a, a guy called Tom Wright, um, New Testament scholar. He, he used to say to his students, look, 30%, at least 30% of everything I teach you is going to be wrong. Yeah. The problem is I just don't know which 30% <laughs> that is. <laughs> yeah. And again, I found that so helpful, this thought of like some of what I teach in this church is going to turn out in the end to be wrong. Yeah. Not because I'm like, trying to deceive anyone no. or because I'm finite no and I think um what's really wonderful is like the opposite true is true of a word so something we were taught when I was uh, talking to bible translators was that we know 99% of the new testament is 100% accurate and the bits that we like that we don't know are like was it in or was it on yeah, yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like was it was it a capital a or a full stop here it's like nothing that like it's uh, basically like thanks to these intelligent people we're sometimes afraid of yeah. uh, in their interpretation we've been able to make sure the text we read today is 100 percent the word of god as paul as matthew as these people wrote it on its day so as fallible as our we interpretations are. Yeah, and we yeah. are the text remains the exactly. infallible word of god exactly and this is where some of the danger um I think it might be fair to say that some of the dangers in church history or some of the kind of religious offshoots of Christianity were attempts to set in concrete the interpretation of scripture or add to it uh, a, a level of interpretation to kind of maybe iron out or smooth out some of the crinkles we find in scripture, like maybe um, the Book of Mormon um, and several other kind of things are attempts to yeah. quantify scripture and make it plainer, but ends up creating something dogmatic and ultimately wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't like your continued use of the word dogmatic because oh, I'd want to rescue dogmatic as a positive term. Right, okay, yeah. But, you know, but I think what you're saying is, yes. <laughs> if I can put it a slightly different way. Legalistic, I guess. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. Or like for. a kind of, again, it's a position that says that we've got this lockdown now yeah. and no further discussion is possible. Absolutely, yeah. Rather than saying the word of God is true and we 100% trust it but we don't 100% trust our particular grasp of it. Yeah. And this is why to like flag back to some whole church teaching in the autumn, this is why we talked about the importance of the creed. Yeah. So the creed is like this sort of foundational set of beliefs that the church, the whole church owns together and says, whatever else we're not sure of, whatever else we disagree on, this is like center ground yeah. of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, and the no. thing I found fascinating about that creed and when it came out is it was in a period of biblical interpretation history that we would we would we'd all be quite scared of now. Yeah, if, we'd be freaking out if a preacher we? got yeah. up and said what the people at that time you, like. It's it's I guess it might be useful to say the allegorical. I can't say allegorical allegorical reading of scripture. reading of scripture. Like, what are we talking about there? What's 
What's some of that? So, I mean, say the... Wow. Oh, Dave, you get me on my box now. But say this was a way of reading scripture that deliberately didn't look for the literal yeah. and looked for a more spiritual or metaphorical reading. This was the dominant way of reading scripture in the early yeah. church. You'd end up with um, hundreds of what this verse actually means, like the, the armour of God. Like yeah, yeah. Everyone had their own idea of what, what the shield was. So you had the Antiochian school of interpretation that came back and said, actually, no, like that's fine to a level, but we also need to read the text the way it wants to be read. And many of these texts want to be read in a more literal way, in a yeah. more historical way. And out of that came the maturity of the church to say, there's a variety of ways to read scripture, but, you know, and, and, and say starts the process and we get to the creed of saying that, that these things are, are what we all understand the scripture to be truly saying. Yeah, I feel we've we've gone we've gone somewhere here. Well, we're quite away from where we started. <laughs> we're in the realms of interpretation and and the joys of it. Yeah, and the non the non scaredness. That's why yeah. we're going, wasn't it? Not something nothing to be scared of. Something the church has always done and will always do. And it's changed over time, and yeah. yet and the church central, has survived. And, and the truth is the truth. The truth is the truth, and although much has changed over time, the central truths haven't. And, and again, that gives should give us a confidence. Yeah. So I think maybe we should end it there. We um, we probably yeah. could speak all day about interpretation, hermeneutics. Should we finish by recommending some resources? Yes. Let's. We'll we'll use the magic of editing by pressing pause right now. Do you think? I mean, I've got. A... I've got a few oh, to you? go. Okay, go on. Yeah, I mean, well, we can, they'll never know if we pause. No, they so. won't. So, um, first of all, like we've said already, I, I think the the starting point and the thing that every Christian should have is, is a decent study Bible. Yeah. So I recommend the ESV one. Um, they're £38. Yeah. We stock them here, but we only sell them at the price we buy them. So you can mm-hmm. just buy them online yourself. And if you if thirty eight pounds feels like a stretch, then next time it's your birthday or Christmas, yeah, just ask for it for absolutely. What but what a better gift? They they like ninety five percent of what we talked about a study Bible will give you. Yeah, and I think my top tip for a study Bible is you don't have to read every footnote. No, no. <laughs> I I used to try and read every one, and it just really slowed down the. Yeah. actually reading the bible part yeah yeah just read the bits where you you feel you need a bit of help yeah so that's probably if one thing could come out of this would be that anyone who doesn't have a study bible gets one i'd be over the mean yeah there's um, a series of videos on youtube by the bible project and they're really good and they've got things on themes they've got things on books but they also have a little playlist called how to interpret scripture, how to understand scripture. Excellent. And I think there's four or five videos and they explore uh, in really simple terms the the genres that you were talking about yeah. in a real way that's really accessible. Probably more accessible than we've been. Way more accessible than us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with <laughs> nice little um, visuals, visuals well. to go yeah. as well. Um, that's really good, mate. Um, so here's another, for those who maybe want a bit more uh, or who are maybe more disturbed by this, maybe like you're more unsettled and yeah. you think I want to read something a bit more then the, the thing I'd recommend would be a book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth um, if you Google that it'd be really easy to find again we also stock them in church and that is a really helpful book by um, by two guys who, who again in a much better more ordered way yeah. really talk through um, not only 
the principles of how to read the Bible, but then take you through the different genres saying, look, these is, this is how you read these texts. This is how you read these yeah. texts. And really helpful. Should be mentioned that if you like a podcast, mm. there's a lot of podcasts out there. But the Bible Project also have a podcast. Yeah, great. So if you need something to run and listen to yeah. interpretation, then then you've got that. I think there's, there's plenty of other kind of um, courses and things out there well, as well. Oh, yes. I was going to say, I think the final one, Dave, that I'd recommend um, is there's the Bible course. The Bible course by the Bible Society. Say, um, and actually, um, a bit of a bit of a kind of cat out the bag here, but we're potentially considering offering that in the autumn of this year. It is very good. I've done the introductory session and a couple of bits, and, and I, was, I, was, I was given it by the guy who wrote it, and yeah. he's very passionate, very good. And a few other people in our church family have been through it as well and found it really helpful. So if you're thinking, I would like to journey all this, but I just don't want to do it on my own. Like, yeah. I don't want to read a book on my own. I don't want to watch videos on my own. Yeah. Then maybe in the autumn, um, you might consider signing up for that course and more details will, will come when it's out. Yeah. And that's um, also probably even more accessible yeah. than us speaking right now. Yeah, and obviously, like all these things, if you're in a conversation on a table, you can ask your questions, can't yeah. you? You can say, there's some things to do with all of this. Plenty to do. Well, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, those of you who have put up with us for um, this slightly unorthodox podcast. And um, yeah, if you if anything that we've raised um, you want to talk about or um, you want more kind of comment on then you can either just talk to me or talk to dave or but if you disagree with us mainly talk to mainly Tim. talk to me yeah. yeah that's fine and um and also we can always do a, like another one of these if there's a load of questions come back that we can always do another podcast say as ever like talk to us podcasts are very much a monologue but really what we hope for is a dialogue so and if you like this format we don't do this format a lot mm. but if you like this format let us know because we might might do more of this as well like to do some more spontaneous <laughs> conversations. Yeah. Right. Okay. God bless everybody. Bye. See you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Amblepoke Community Church. For more information about who we are, what we believe, and how you can get involved, check out our website 